The Mind Your Home podcast is now available on video. To watch the video associated with this episode and see any visuals that may be mentioned in the episode, follow the link in the description to the YouTube channel. You're listening to the Mind Your Home podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home podcast. Today, I am sharing my ultimate guide to decluttering papers of all kinds. This is, of course, based on how I manage papers around here. And I don't like papers, so I just don't do them. I try really hard to have as few papers as possible inside of my home. I don't like managing them. I don't like piles. I don't like having to sift or sort for things. I even tried to collect two weeks worth of mail here so that I could have some stack of papers to go through with you. All of this to say that along the track of, you know, super cluttered with paper to hyper minimalist with paper, I'm definitely a little closer to this end. So, you know, take what you will, like I always say, take what works for you and then tweak the rest. So for us, all of the papers in our house fit into one of two locations and I'm going to share those with you today. But I want to first point out that I think it's really important to understand where it is that you're coming from mindset wise whenever you dive into papers because I know that this is like one of the most challenging clutter areas for many people. It's probably like the number one thing that I've always been asked about ever since starting this business has been paper clutter. People struggle with that. And it makes sense because it comes at us from all different kinds of directions, right? We get bills in the mail, we get uh, advertisements via paper. You know, if you have kids, your kids are coming home with school papers. If you have little kids, then they're probably drawing you things and making little papers of artwork. And just if you have a business, then you have business documents. And there are just so many different directions that paper can, can come at us from financial papers to medical papers to, you know, coupons, like just all different kinds of papers. So it makes sense. I understand why this is a trouble area. And, you know, like I said, my mindset on papers is that I don't like them. I don't want to mess with them. And I think that I personally feel safer having my documents uploaded to the cloud, right? So I personally am a big fan of Google Drive. Um, obviously, you want to password protect all of your information. You want to make sure that things are encrypted, that maybe you even have a password saver, which I do, and I highly recommend those. But I personally feel more comfortable and more secure with my documents being somewhere where I can access them all the time, as long as I have my username and password, than I do having physical pieces of paper that I'm now responsible for making sure don't get damaged or wet or, you know, they can catch on fire. They can get chewed up. They can get wadded. Like papers are very fragile. They're not made to last forever. Um, And so that's my mindset. And I say this because the first thing that I want to talk about is your mindset when it comes to paper. And it's just like this video that I did where I talked about the two main reasons that we have trouble getting rid of clutter. And one of them was our beliefs. And the other is our habits. Charlie's having a bad dream. So our beliefs and our habits and papers really are no exception. So do you believe that it's irresponsible to not hold on to 
physical paper form copies of things like tax documents, um, medical prescriptions, or, you know, insurance papers. What you believe about the papers that you're holding on to is what is going to influence how you tend to them and how backed up they get. Even things like kids' artwork papers. If you feel like you're being a bad mom, if you let go of some of the pieces of art that they give you when they're giving you many pieces per day, you're gonna find that you're collecting quite a few papers. I think that it's always worth mentioning that it's not just about the paper. It's not just about the sheet of, you know, tree here. It's really mostly about what we believe about all of the papers and the content on them and what our habits are with tending to them. So now that we've talked about the mindset and all of the behind the scenes factors that are influencing the situation of our paper, let's go ahead and dive into my ultimate guide to decluttering papers of all kinds. Number one, first and foremost, is gonna be to go green. We wanna stop the hemorrhaging and the first place that we're gonna focus is to stop the bleeding when it comes to those important papers that you're getting, papers related to bills and things that you actually need to see and to tend to. And the best way to tend to those is to go paperless. First of all, you want to gather all of your bills. So this is where you're going to want to go through your current piles of paper. You're going to want to pull out everything that is a bill or that is something that you're going to be receiving on a monthly basis and need to either pay or tend to in some way. Now, if you've collected bills over the course of months and maybe you have a couple of different bills from the same business that are in there, even though they've been paid, that's okay. Just go ahead and stack those together. So for example, if you have a couple of different T-Mobile bills, just stack all of those together in one stack, you know, so you can go through all of them and then you can discard all of those together and then we'll move on to the next bills. Then you're just going to pull out your computer, pull out your cell phone, get comfortable, get yourself a cup of coffee or something, and we're going to create accounts for each of these things. Don't let it overwhelm you. It doesn't have to be scary. You know, just feel it out. Think of it as an experiment, right? You're just testing it out to see what it's like, to see what it looks like on the other end of some of these online bills. Maybe it'll be easier than you think, but you don't know until you try. All of the information that you need in order to create the account should be inside of your bills. So that's why it's so great to just have them right next to you. You can have the account number. It'll have the website on the bill for you to go and create an online account because trust me, the businesses would prefer that you go that route too. <laughs> it saves them paper. It saves them money from having to mail the things out. It's just easier communication on both ends. You can even have a highlighter or a pen if it's easier to highlight the website to go to and to highlight your account number. And then you're going to go to that website. You're going to click on the option to register or to create a new account. Usually they're going to ask for your email address as the username, and then you're going to create a password. The third step in going green is to write down or type down your password and your username somewhere. Even better if you can use a password manager. I use LastPass. I used to use Dashlane. Um, both of those are great. Most password managers are free and these two I've used for free as well. If you use iPhone or Apple products, then they have Keychain that's built into them and that's a password manager. Google even has a password manager if you use Chrome and you use Google a lot. They'll manage your passwords for you and even autofill them. So just, you know, find what's going to be best for you, but do something to make sure that you're not going to immediately forget the password or the username. 
Now, personally, I like using Google. So if you have a Gmail account or you use Google Calendar or anything like that, then you already have a Google account. So if you go to sheets.google.com, it'll pull up the Google spreadsheets. I recommend naming the sheet something like online bills and then use column one to list the business's names. Column two to list something like the account number. Maybe column three could be the username and then column four, the password. You can really put as much information as you want to collect. You could even make column four something like the URL or the website link to click. And yes, they can be clickable inside of Google Sheets to where whenever you want to go check your bill or something, you just pull up your spreadsheet and you can click that link and it will pull up your account and you already have your username and password right there. Step number four, while you're in the account after you've registered and created your account and maybe made a payment if you needed to make a payment, is gonna be to be sure that you check to go paperless because that's kind of the whole point of registering is so that you can go paperless and no longer receive a bill. Now, for a lot of businesses, whenever you register, they'll auto prompt you like, hey, would you like to enroll in paperless billing? Would you like us to send an email bill? Some of them will prompt you things and you can just check the box then. Otherwise, you're going to want to go into the account settings. You can usually get to the account settings by clicking your profile image or your profile name that you just created and then going into account settings. Or sometimes there will be a little hamburger menu, the little lines at the top corner. You can click that and go into the settings and just select the option for paperless billing. Once you've created your account and maybe even paid your bill, you can go ahead and get rid of these paper copies that you have. I don't own a shredder, but the post office that I go to has a big shredding bin. And so when I have things that I wanna shred, I'll just collect them in a little box here. And whenever I go to the post office, I'll slide them into their shredder bin and they take care of it. It's like a service that they provide for free anyway. And then I don't have to keep the big bulky shredder here at my house. Of course, you can always just tear things up with your hands, cut them up with scissors, just whatever works for you. So now that we've stopped the hemorrhaging from the important areas, the things like the bills and the important content that we're going to need to be looking at, well, now we want to take care of everything that's left. All of this junk mail, magazines, subscriptions, things like that that can collect over time. Now, some of them are a little trickier to deal with because they might be flyers from local businesses, but there are some things that you can do to drastically cut down on the junk mail as well. The first thing that you want to do is to take a look at the pieces of mail, particularly the front and back. So on this political card that I was sent, I notice on the back here that it says optouttoday.com and it has a number under it if I want to call the number, but I can just scan this little barcode with my phone and it will opt me out of these political cards that they're sending. Another one that I got here is from Office Depot and Office Max. To update or remove your name from our mailing list, email mailoptout at officedepot.com. It's all right there on the forums telling me exactly who to email or what to scan in order to no longer receive those. So it is a little bit time consuming, but it keeps you from having to constantly be reacting and responding to all of this mail that comes in because now you've got more stuff to look through on a monthly basis, whereas you could just be taking care of it now, spend a little extra time on the front end and then not have to deal with it later. If you need more help in this area, I know that Abby Lawson, she's the blogger over at Just a Girl and her blog, and she talks all about organization. She has a very successful platform. Um, she's actually here on YouTube too, I believe. And she's doing a launch this week on her paperless made simple course. So for the next week, 
week, at least if you're catching this live or around the release time, um, she's going to be offering that course for $79 when it's normally going to be $297. So if this is a struggle area for you, then I recommend you check that out. She has rave reviews on her products. Um, I'll be sure to leave a link for that down in the description because I think that she has a free masterclass to go along with her course as well. So if you need more help in the paperless area, check out Paperless Made Simple. Otherwise, we're going to move on to digitizing. So we've stopped the new stuff from coming in. We've stopped the important stuff from coming in so that we can access it online. We've stopped the junk mail from coming in, at least most of it. Now what do we do with the stuff that's left, the stuff that we want to keep, the things that are sentimental? So first of all, let's talk about just the general documents, just the general accumulation that you've probably been holding on to and collecting and maybe even filing for years now. Unless it is 100% necessary to keep it in paper format, and again, this is according to my more minimalist guidelines, right? I love to digitize things. And digitizing just means that you're taking whatever the physical form is and you're putting it on technology. So it could be putting it on your phone by taking a picture of it. It could be putting it on your computer. It could be putting it on the cloud like Google Drive, which is typically my go-to. So there are really only two steps in the digitizing process as far as I see it. Now, I know that you can get really in-depth and there are tons of different applications and software that you can learn about. I like to keep it super simple. Again, I'm kind of a, a Google Drive girl because I use Gmail, I use Google Calendar, um, I use Google Sheets and Google Docs. I, I use like the whole suite of Google things. So it's just natural for me to use Google Drive and it's free anyway. So um, that's kind of my go-to. But of course, if you use Mac and iPhones, there's iCloud, Microsoft has OneDrive. So if you use a lot of Windows and PC products, then you probably have Microsoft Office on your computer. And so they have OneDrive. Of course, there's Dropbox. It's pretty popular. And there are actually tons in between. So there are like so many. So again, for me, digitizing comes down to two things. One is scanning and the other is filing and sorting. For scanning, there are three different options that I feel like you can pretty safely default to. First of all, if you have a scanner in your home, then go for it. Go ahead and use it. I would say unless you have just mountainous piles of papers that you're going to be going through, if that's the case, it'll still take you a while to use a personal scanner unless you happen to have a big heavy-duty corporate scanner. The second option is to use your phone. And this is probably my favorite option, especially for maintenance mode. So once you've already decluttered whatever piles and stacks of papers you have and you're just working on maintaining new things coming through, it is so much easier to just use your phone to snap a picture and the applications have gotten really good at taking quality scans. The one that I recommend is Adobe Scan. So we're probably all familiar with Adobe. It's the same as Adobe Acrobat Reader. Adobe Scan is actually free to use and you can do as many scans as you want. There are premium options if you want to be able to make edits to the scans, but I've used it. I have it on my phone. It comes on iPhone and Android and it's actually a really solid app. But again, if I had stacks and piles of papers that I was going to be scanning in large quantity, I would not sit there and use my phone for every single little individual one, which brings us to number three, which is to take it to a print shop. FedEx is the most common, and that's usually the one that I use when I need to do something in mass 
quantity or actually if I need to print anything because I don't have a printer. But you can go there with just giant stacks of photos, giant stacks of just documents and papers. And it has one of the heavy duty scanners that'll just spit it through uh, pretty quickly and send it to your email. And so once it arrives at whatever location you're going to be scanning it to, then you move on to step number two, which is to file. And I like to keep this again, super simple by going large category, subcategory, sub subcategory. So for me, I would do member of the family like myself, Matt and the girls each have their main category folder. And then within those I break down subcategories. So for myself, that would be like business, finances, medical, legal, things like that. And then within the folders, the sub sub folders, for example, in finance, I might have a sub sub folder that's taxes. And then within that, then I would start going by date. So 2022, 2021, 2020. And that's just kind of how I do all of my organization for files, whether it's physical or digital, I start large category, subcategory, sub subcategory, and then if necessary, then I go by dates. Now, this is a pretty just general, simple, superficial observation. But of course, I do recommend Kath Younger, I've mentioned her before for her digital clutter course, because she not only talks about how to declutter the digital spaces, which sometimes really badly need it when you've been digitizing for a while, things like the email and your schedule and calendars and photos and all of those things and files actually. Um, but she also teaches you some really cool systems on how to use some of these digital systems. So I will also be sure to leave a link to her free masterclass down in the description. And then last but not least, we have the things that we do need to or really want to hold on to. So the necessary hard copies that you need for your social security card, your birth certificates, just different things like that, as well as the sentimental papers that truly are sentimental and that you want to hold on to. Let me show you what I do with those. So I told you at the beginning of this video that all of the papers that exist permanently inside of my home exists in one of two spaces. So the first space is this. This is where we keep all of our necessary documents. So every form or paper or document of any kind for the entire family that we need to keep is inside of this black binder. I actually got this one at Target. I've used other ones in the past, but I do really like this one. This one is by Samsonite, which is kind of known for having good build and quality products. So I do recommend this if you're able to find one. It holds our passports perfectly in these slots. And then we also have this little cubby that holds our COVID vaccination cards. And otherwise, all of our folders are just by person, larger categories. So this is my folder back here. I don't even have it labeled at the moment. I think I'm the only one with a manila folder anymore. In my folder, I have my engagement ring plan, college transcript, a couple of copies of my birth certificate for some reason. I think one was lost over time. And I, of course, have my social security card. And then I have this game for my bridal shower. This is probably the only non-official document that I have in here. Then at the back here, Matt has his own folder and the girls each have their own smaller cubbies in between. And then for all of our sentimental items, I have a memory box. Now, this is mine and Matt's memory box, and the girls each have their own so that they can fill it with their own memories over time. We've definitely gotten used to it because whenever we find things that we're like, oh, you know what, this is really nice. I want to hold on to this. Maybe a letter that the girls gave us for a holiday or, you know, cards from our wedding, stuff like that. 
It's nice to have a single spot to put them where they feel like they're being taken care of, but they're also not absorbing so much space. One cool thing that we did over COVID in 2020, a friend of ours started this whole Taskmaster game. If you've ever heard of it, it's like a British show where they are voted on who did the best of the tasks. You'll just have to take a look at it. Anyway, so when we got married, our friend who had started these games gave us this really thoughtful and well-made Taskmaster card. And it has like an official looking seal on it. And then we have one of our wedding invitations. Ooh, this is a really cool card too. This is actually from that same friend. And it's one of the pop-up cards. I love pop-up cards. I think they are so cool. We also have mine and Matt's vows from the wedding. He typed his up and I wrote mine. And so I have the original copies of both of those. These are some photos that the photographer took, just candid shots with a Polaroid while she was in the process of editing our official shots. And then I've still got some old discs from before cell phones were all that they are now. <laughs> so these are things like my daughter's births, memorabilia that we did in fact get married during coronavirus, our bride and groom masks. And my youngest made these coasters for us a while back, which is nice because one of them has something she wrote and then the other one has a picture of her from that age group. So really cute to hold on to. We used them for a while, but when we stopped using them, they went into the memory box. And then tons of Happy Father's Day cards that Matt's collected over the years. Things that were just really special or that the girls really spent a lot of time working on and made really pretty and thoughtful, those we like to hold on to. So we don't keep everything that they've ever made, but we do keep the ones that feel the most special and the most well thought out. So that is my ultimate guide to decluttering papers of all kinds. At some point, I'll have to do one that's specifically for photos because I know that's another area that people can struggle with and trip on a little bit. But hopefully this was helpful and hopefully this at least gives you the nudge and the information to make some changes in your space. I, of course, do have a free masterclass called My Holistic Clutter-Free Formula, and I have a course called Clutter Cure that teaches you my holistic system for creating holistic clutter-free spaces. So I will leave the links to all of the resources mentioned in today's video down in the description. And I actually have a bonus video this week. On Thursday, I'm going to be releasing a bonus video that is me organizing my teen daughter's room. <laughs> I went through and I implemented some organization systems inside of their room, especially inside of their closet. So if you're looking for ideas on things to do with your own kiddos rooms, or if you just want to see some organization ideas that have to do with closets, then be sure to check that out on Thursday and I will catch you then.